an unpopular opinion, perhaps. But after uh, the weekend's uh, syndicate, lawyer syndicate election, uh, what's considered a defeat for October 17, at least the strictly October 17 uh, groups, and after uh, our Independence Day uh, lack of celebration, I think uh, none of us are to blame for what's happening. I think everyone in this country, every actor, every political actor, uh, is behaving exactly the way they would behave in any conflict zone. Not political conflict. I mean real conflict. I think everyone is doing their job. From the activist who's pushing through against the odds, trying their best to find some wiggle space and to perhaps maneuver a bit when it comes to reform, seeking power next year in parliamentary elections, whatever that space is, uh, they're doing exactly what they should be doing and saying exactly what they should be saying uh, and sidestepping issues they have no control over and only focusing on terrain that they can change. This all makes sense. The, uh, the regime figures that are trying to reform or succeeding at reforming, uh, they're also doing their role and they're doing their job. Whether it's Kate'ib, uh, modifying perhaps its positions over time or re-examining its past or de deliberately uh, joining October 17, whether it's for their own gains, whether it's for party survivability, or whether it's really what they believe, I think this party is doing what it should do to try to gain votes. It makes sense. And without elections, what is Kate'ib? It's nothing. So this is a political party navigating what's happening, logic. Um, the more, ex the more uh, absolutist parties within October 17, the newer ones that refuse to work with Kate'ib, I suppose they're doing their job as well. They are uh, Puritan, absolutist, and not including anyone from pre-October pre 17 Lebanese history. That's their rule. Uh, let's ignore the conspiracies and all that stuff. Let's just say it as it is. They reject everything pre-October 17. Fine. Rejectionists should reject. That's their rule in history. So even if they lose, they lose rejecting. And maybe that's their principles. That's how they see uh, their legacy. Whatever. They're doing their job and they're doing it accordingly. Uh, the old guard that refuses to reform, or let's say reforms in ways that are uh, acceptable, to Hezbollah. They're doing their job as well. They team up against the opposition. Uh, they team up with Kate'ib sometimes or against Kate'ib other times. Um, they change election outcomes or they solidify their, their presence in a lawyer syndicate, whatever. Uh, they are trying to secure whatever they have next year, preserve their seats in parliament and uh, some of them are trying to gain seats, which is why they're really uh, hell-bent on elections. Lebanese forces comes to mind. So that party sees itself as a reformist party. October 17 parties don't. 
doesn't matter. Uh, they do. And they're probably going to take some seats away from Tayyar Watanay al next year. So uh, they're doing their rule as well. An old party rejected by the opposition uh, trying to survive in this current climate. Hezbollah is doing their job. They are Iran's army. They are a proxy militia. They cannot negotiate. They cannot let dialogue turn into anything that's uh, problem-solving. Uh, they cannot. They cannot uh, secede. That, that's not the right. Word. They cannot uh, surrender any uh, any turf to their opponents, political or otherwise, uh, and they won't. They can't let Tariq Tariq do his job. They can't let uh, evidence go directly at them, especially a local investigation. And they can't tolerate any individual or group that challenges their security domain. They eliminate their foes. They eliminate the foes that cross their red line, which is their security. They're doing their job, as any proxy militia would. They're no different. So they're doing their job. They cannot be uh, reformed. It's a proxy militia that pretends to be a political party on the outside, but it's not. It is an army. So why would an army dabble in silly Lebanese politics that curtails its status? And why would they cede, that's the word, cede uh, any, any, any turf? They're doing their job. It's a terrible job, and it's a disgusting job that they, that they, uh, that they inherited from the Syrians when they left, and they destroyed the lives of, of very decent uh, Lebanese patriots. They kill them. Uh, they injure their loved ones and families. You're looking at one of them. And... Um, well, they do their job, and that's what they're supposed to do. And then you have regional players. Regional players that are also doing their job. I mean, these are not, uh, for the most part, they're rogue regimes that uh, have their own survivability problems. So if it's Bashar al-Assad trying to position himself as softer on uh, Hezbollah or maybe uh, opposing Iran uh, at times or even opposing Hezbollah like they used to do it, in different ways when they ran Lebanon or trying to warm up to the Emirates and uh, sort of position themselves, let's say, as the, the, the middlemen for uh, whatever. The problem creators that become problem solvers, which is what they're fantastic at. And they're looking at doing something similar again, whether it's in Syria or in Lebanon, with perhaps limited uh, terrain, but they will do it again because that is how the Assad regime survives. So they're looking at fulfilling an old role that they've done for decades. Whether it's through the intelligence or whether it's through uh, their allies or whatever, whether it's through their own henchmen. That's the Assad regime. And that's how it was built and that's, it, that's how it will stay. So their flirtation with access to Lebanon or their flirtation with the Emirates or any regime in the region that is warming up to that regime. And on the other side, countries that talk to them openly now, that used to oppose uh, Bashar directly, they're doing exactly what they should do. I mean, at the end of the day, none of these countries, none of these regimes, have any sympathy for aspirations, especially when those aspirations end what is a security order that's in a way fulfilling uh, the work of these largely despots and rogue regimes that uh, 
perhaps depend too much on conflict for their own survivability. And even those that are turning the page and looking for regional peace, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say the Emirates is really trying to turn the page and they're trying to bring in other regimes as well when it comes to the Arab-Israeli conflict or even the Saudi-Iranian rift, which is really a Gulf uh, issue that has spilled over and hit Lebanon hardest. Um, even if they're trying to invoke their version of conflict resolution, aspirations of protesters is not on their agenda. They don't care. I don't think they even. I don't think they even are aware of any of these uh, local affairs, especially when none of them even matter to them. So they're doing what they should do. On the top, you have the international community, whatever the larger players, the Americans and Russians and whatever, how they look at the region. I don't think any of them really even, they talk and they talk and they talk. Americans love to talk to civil society, but what they can actually do in terms of giving the tools necessary for local opponents to the status quo, at the end of the day, Lebanese have to do this on their own. And the endless conversation of power sharing and sectarianism and a civil state and whatever, it's not something international players concern themselves with. That's a Lebanese issue. So the Lebanese have to take up that cause on their own. And they do, they try, they try for decades and decades and decades, and it doesn't change. The Americans are not going to get involved in this. They may alleviate some of the electricity crisis through a, a very elaborate deal that includes Egypt, Jordan, Syria, to get some uh, energy over to this country. But... That's what they can do with the World Bank and the sort of it's alleviates some suffering. But uh, when it comes to their own security concerns in the region, I mean, Lebanon is really not on the agenda. If anything, it tends to be a, a, a negotiation sort of gift. Get the Syrians to fight their war in Iraq, give them Lebanon. Maybe get the Iranians to turn their page on issues that directly impact America and the region, and maybe they'll get Lebanon too. Maybe the Syrians will get Lebanon. Maybe all of these things will happen. The point is, protest movements and how everyone is behaving when it comes to Lebanon, every actor is doing what they should do. They're fulfilling their role. Now, why isn't this turning into something good? Why isn't one of these sort of uh, uh, pieces of this puzzle, why don't they hint at positive change? Not hopes, not aspirations, not, not uh, dreams. I'm talking about actual action that improves the situation. Well, I think it's because we have no independence, which makes yesterday our 78th birthday, if you think of independent Lebanon, but if you think of greater Lebanon, turned 101. Uh, no independence. So when it's just a region and a geography that's up for grabs, and in a conflict zone, in a battlefield, and a war zone, when individuals are left to fend for themselves, and when groups organize in ways that make sense. And when regional players determine their decisions based on survivability and power, 
And when the international arena gets involved only to make sure none of this really spills over, um, you're left with the quagmire that is Lebanon. Restoring our independence, and sorry for always bringing up this word, but giving us our sovereignty and letting us determine our future on our terms, I think would allow local election defeats to not be that distressing or even not that uh, not that existential. We would pick up where we left off and try again. And if this was a functioning democracy, we'd get our act together and win. And if we're not persuading, it means we need to try harder. We need to fix the reasons why this doesn't resonate. And we'd have a chance. You could keep trying until you get it right. You won't have to face the threat of murder, regional problems that impact every decision taken within this country, and a proxy militia determining the uh, limits of reform and agency. So, independence is what's at stake. Give Lebanon its independence back. Even if it's wobbly, even if it's flimsy, chaotic, stressful, problematic, give it back. Let us go back to something that works. And I don't care if I sound like a, a dinosaur when I say this. The 1960s, for better or worse, with all their intricacies and all their downsides and all their every economic uh, decision taken those years that have been, has been scrutinized to the point that even having some nostalgia for those years has now sinned across uh, certain uh, platforms and certain uh, groups. Bullshit. 1960s worked. That's modern Lebanon succeeding. Proactive neutrality. Regional wars not fought in Lebanon. Not one bullet shot in 1967 war across the border into Lebanon. Maybe he's an anomaly. He's problematic. But Fouad Sheb kept Abdel Nasser at the border. Every issue that could have torn this country apart in 1958, that could have led to a civil war, a protracted war, not a short-term battle, but a decades-long existential fight, didn't happen. That civil war in 1958 ended for all the reasons you can get into, all the geopolitical reasons as well. But the point is, Lebanon was a country that was governable, and it was independent, and it was sovereign. You need to bring that back for this country to work. Otherwise, everybody will continue behaving exactly as they should. And uh, for all the people that blame Lebanese for being Lebanese, and for everyone that uh, is, insists that this is a Lebanese problem, um, I think uh, that whole story should be thrown away. That whole perspective adds up to nothing. Uh, we are a geography without sovereignty, and any human being and any group and any actor in this kind of terrain would behave exactly the same way we're behaving right now. Thank you.